0: Get your creek on! Hi there, and welcome to episode eight of Get Your Creek On, a podcast about Jonathan Creek. Thanks for joining me. Welcome to Get Your Creek On. Uh, yep, thanks, ma'am. Today we will go through the scented room in which an art heist is committed in impossible circumstances, which is very exciting. As ever, watching the episode before listening to the pod will be of great benefit in terms of getting the references, plus you'll have had a much more enjoyable 50 minutes than you would have done if you'd not watched it and done literally anything else. If you haven't watched any Jonathan Creek before, I will put the contact details for some therapists in the show notes so that you can talk to someone and find out what on earth is wrong with you. The Scented Room aired on February the 7th, 1998. Magnificent Man of Melbourne, please introduce the episode synopsis. Episode Synopsis A minibus full of young schoolgirls pulls up to large country house, Cicada Park. The girls are welcomed by guide Martha Parrish who shows them round and explains that the place belongs to Lady Teresa Cutler and her theatre critic husband Sylvester Lafley. We immediately meet him as he dictates a scathing review into his dictaphone, sorry dictation machine, while receiving a poolside massage. His wife watches on, clearly annoyed at the perceived intimacy of the masseuse's technique. She brings Sylvester a sandwich, but places a stinging nettle amongst the contents, which upon eating causes him to accidentally kick the masseuse into the pool. Inside, the tour reaches the Flemish gallery, with a room at the end containing a priceless El Greco painting. Only eight people are allowed in at the time, and the first lot of girls get a good look at the masterpiece. When they leave, half a minute or so passes before the next group go in, and when they do, something unexplainable has happened. The painting's been removed from the frame and has vanished altogether. Eric, the geriatric security guard, rushes over, then heads outside to find Lafley. The Lord of the Manor rushes in and is absolutely appalled at what's happened. He tells Martha to call the police, and as he rushes back out into the hallway, he's clobbered on the back of the head from behind by a mystery assailant. The police arrive and investigate. Nobody has any idea how the hell the painting could possibly have been taken, but footprints are found in another room with a window open nearby, showing the thief's likely escape route. Meanwhile, Jonathan and Adam are practising a trick in a park which involves Klaus being buried alive several feet underground in a nailed-shut coffin. Jonathan reads in the paper about the art heist at Cicada Park. He loves this because Lafley gave their show a terrible review in the past so this is a great opportunity to indulge in a bit of schadenfreude. Elsewhere, Maddie is in the middle of a therapy session. She talks about erotic dreams she's been having featuring Jonathan. As she's mid tale a man bursts in and tells the therapist that the game is up. She's a fake, with a condition called obsessive delusion, which leads someone with a compulsion for hearing other people's deepest secrets to pretend to be someone else. Maddie's shocked, but then another therapist comes in and explains that it's actually the man who's the one suffering from this delusion, and he believes himself to be a policeman. Maddie gets back to talking about Jonathan, but then also alludes to another issue concerning a ghost from her past. She briefly talks about it too during a meeting with Jonathan and Barry, her agent, later on, and then drives Jonathan off for lunch. When they get to the venue, he realises it's actually Cicada Park, and Maddie wants him to help solve the mystery of the disappearing painting. He's really annoyed. He has no intention of helping that arsehole Sylvester Lafley. But Maddie desperately wants to figure it out because there's a reward of fifty thousand pounds. They go for a look round the gallery, and the Lafley's young boy Benjamin comes in and starts chatting away. Lady Teresa tells them all about what's happened and how the police are struggling to figure things out. Methuselah's elder brother i.e. security guard Eric, gives his version of events too. They ask Sylvester about what happened, including the assault in the hallway, and Jonathan takes great glee in ridiculing him. He then inspects the room where the footprints were found, and ends up saying that he can't help. Not because he doesn't know what's happened, he does, it's just that he doesn't want to. Maddie and Jonathan leave, and she's irritated with him due to the reward which they now will not be able to claim. She tries to have him tell her what the solution is, but he's not falling for that one. Later on, when he's back at Maddie's flat, he's curious about whatever it was she was mentioning to Barry the other day. He surreptitiously takes a glance at her diary. It says that Gordon Hill is coming down, but who the hell is Gordon Hill? After lunch, they argue again about Jonathan's vendetta against the LaFleys, and she begs him to tell her how it was done so that they can claim the big reward. He gives in and takes her on a quick canter through it, although he does start with a wild goose chase involving a laser being used to cut the painting out of the frame through the glass ceiling. As he's about to explain the actual facts, the delusional policeman from earlier bursts in and tells Jonathan that it's a massive crime to withhold information about serious crimes and that he has to divulge everything immediately. Maddie's clearly invited this guy around to play the part, but Jonathan sees right through it and storms off. Back at Sacada Park, Sylvester takes a call from the insurance company, who are saying they are not going to pay out, and this irritates him about as much as it would if you'd found out your recent patio repairs had been handled by Fred West. At the windmill that evening, Jonathan gets an irate call from Adam, who's taken massive umbrage with him. The licence for their huge outdoor show has been refused by the local council, on whom Lady Teresa wields massive influence. Adam demands Jonathan tells them exactly how their El Greco painting went missing, which will in turn make the family less angry against him and allow the show to go ahead. Jonathan heads to Barry's office and asks him about Maddie's whereabouts because he can't find her. Barry tells him a sad story about Maddie's past involving her mother committing suicide and reveals that Gordon Hill is in fact not a person but the street on which Maddie's childhood home is, and today it's being demolished. Jonathan heads down and finds an emotional Maddie watching this happen, and offers his support. They then head to a school, and get chatting to one of the schoolgirls who was visiting Cicada Park when the painting went missing. Ha! Huh, a shaggy-haired man wandering into the playground of an all-girls school. That wouldn't be treated with as much as a batted eyelid these days, would it? That's why I keep my hair short. Jonathan and Maddie then head to Cicada Park, and explain how the mystery with the painting occurred. Jonathan uses young Benjamin to amaze everyone by shutting him alone in the painting's room, then reopening the door half a minute later to reveal the painting sitting on the floor. Later, Maddie's back at her therapist. She talks about how the house being demolished wasn't as cathartic as she'd thought it would be, and that Jonathan appearing actually meant more to her. She then explains how the painting trick was carried out. One of the schoolgirls was the younger sister of Benjamin's ex-nanny Melissa, who was recently fired by the Lafleys. She wanted some kind of revenge on them, so, while working her notice, put together a plan which involved her partner cutting a slit in the bottom of the door to the gallery. This created an internal cavity within the door itself. When the school visit went to the house, Melissa's sister hid behind the door in the painting room when the first group of kids left. One of her friends distracted the guide, and in the intervening period the girl cut the painting from its frame and slipped it into the cavity in the door. She then merged back in with the group amongst all the confusion when the door was reopened. The painting was there all the time, just a few feet from the frame. Sylvester Lafley immediately worried about the insurance claim, so faked the attack from the intruder to provide more evidence. He faked the footprints in the dust, which was in fact talcum powder he put on the floor, to make it look like the person had escaped, when in fact they didn't even exist. The episode ends with Jonathan and Maddie back in her flat. As she talks to him about future family and communication, he isn't listening to a word she says, so naturally she throws a big pile of talcum powder into his face. Episode Analysis The Scented Room was the first Jonathan Creek episode in which a there were no deaths and b the central mystery revolved around a theft. Writer David Rennick notes that the stolen painting concept was initially a subplot in another episode idea he'd had, but he decided to run with it as the main story in the hope that it was enough to grab viewers' attention. I think it definitely did, it's a classic locked room-esque affair and there's enough going on with all the subplots around Maddie's trauma and Adam's big outdoor show to sustain the episode fully. An extremely famous face played Sylvester LaFle. He was, of course, legendary comedian Bob Monkhouse. He put in a fantastic performance as the snooty theatre critic. David Rennick is on record as saying that he and the casting director were scratching their heads as to who could play the part, and he went out to the toilet and en route back past a poster of Bob Monkhouse and thought, Hmm. The storyline with the delusional Mr Gregson pretending to be a policeman was really fun, particularly when he accused the therapist of having the same disorder he did, and I thought the actor John Hudson was fantastic. He's been in loads of episodes of Peak Practice if you're interested in checking out more of his oeuvre. The Jonathan-Maddy relationship continues to move along apace, And I think this was the first episode where Jonathan showed a small sign of jealousy when he incorrectly got the impression Maddie might have something going on with someone else. The way in which he teases her to frustration by not explaining the solution to the crime is something we've seen before, but it never fails to be enjoyable due to the exasperation it causes her. There were two or three continuity errors in the episode which I'm sure you noticed, and you probably made notes about them just like I did, so I won't go through them here as only a sad bastard would do that. Uh, Okay then, quickly. Firstly, Sylvester Laflay runs across the grass barefoot when told about the painting, but seconds later he has shoes on when he runs through the house, but by the time he reaches the gallery he's barefoot again. When he shows the treehouse to Benjamin he demonstrates the lift by making it go up, but a moment later when he takes a phone call it's at the bottom, and when Maddie and Jonathan are in Barry's office there's a poster on top of the bookcase that says workers' rights, but when Jonathan returns later it isn't there. <sighs> As for the central mystery, I'm not sure half a minute to cut the painting out of the frame and then hide it inside the door is long enough at all. And would the painting actually slide into the cavity without bending and folding? Nah, I don't think so. And now it's time for the feature hardly any of you have been waiting for. It's the celebration of Location Information Station. The scenes at the LaFley family home were shot at Stately House Losley Park near Guildford in Surrey. Lots of other TV and film filming has taken place there, including The Crown, Marple and Midsummer Murders. There wasn't anywhere in the building that quite worked as the gallery from which the painting was stolen, so a set was built at Pinewood Studios for those scenes. The house, these days, can be booked as a very splendid-looking wedding venue and, if I ever fool a woman into marrying me, I may well consider it. The testimonials from previous nuptials there are all glowing and talk about just how wonderful and incredible the venue is, but they do appear to have been edited down a bit because none of the brides talk about how lovely it was to get hitched at a venue used for Jonathan Creek filming or how it fulfilled their dreams to exchange their vows near the swimming pool into which Sylvester Le Flais masseuse was pushed by his wife. Another example of a missed open goal for marketing. The scene in which Maddie's old house at Gordon Hill is demolished is actually archive footage originally used in an episode of A Touch of Frost a few years earlier. There weren't any suitable demolitions taking place around the time of filming, now, I don't know specifically which episode of A Touch of Frost it's from, so the only thing I can recommend is that you watch the entire series from the start until you come across it. There are a mere 42 episodes at around an hour and a half each, so a couple of weeks off work should be long enough for you to complete the task. Creek connections. At 25 minutes, 8 seconds, as Jonathan and Adam discuss the latter's impending trip to Buckingham Palace, we see that his kitchen tiles are green. Green Tiles is the name of a business registered in Henley-on-Thames, Oxfordshire. Current Prime Minister Boris Johnston was the previous MP for Henley, and his great-grandmother Helen Tracy Lou Porter translated the works of German essayist Thomas Mann winner of the 1929 Nobel Prize for Literature. The following year, that prize was won by writer Sinclair Lewis, who died in Rome in 1951. Rome is home to the largest amphitheatre ever built, the Colosseum. Colosseum is also the name of a board game produced by publisher Days of Wonder, whose range also includes popular game Ticket to Ride, Ticket to Ride was a 1965 hit for the Beatles, which John Lennon once described, seriously or otherwise, as being about cards indicating a clean bill of health held by prostitutes in Hamburg. Prostitutes are often referred to as hookers, which is a position in the front row of a rugby union team. The world's most capped hooker is New Zealander Kevin Mialamu, who represented the All Blacks 132 times. 132 is the emergency phone number in Chile, although that has nothing to do with this connection, but if you add a 3 to the end of 132, you get 1323. In the year 1323, land gifted by Robert the Bruce in Aberdeenshire, Scotland, was subsequently used for the building of Crathus Castle, described by some as the most haunted castle in Scotland. If I wanted to have that confirmed, I dare say my first port of call would be the Scottish Paranormal Agency, which was founded by a man called Gordon Hill. Gordon Hill was the street on which Maddie's childhood home was demolished in this episode, and the name Jonathan incorrectly thought was a man Maddie was romantically involved with. God, my head hurts. Pass those smelling salts. Another Creek connection... Next time. Pottery Corner. Poetry Corner, not pottery. For the third week in a row, we are blessed with the presence of the world's worst poet, William Topaz McGonigal. Despite having died in 1902, he has found the time to watch this episode and record his thoughts in the medium of prose. Without further ado, here is Lines on an Observation of the Scented Room. Beautiful El Greco painting of Sylvester Lafley. Alas, I am very sorry to say that the precious artwork was taken away spirited out by a person or persons unknown from the Flemish gallery in the old country home. A group of schoolgirls did visit the house and none of them looked like they could hurt a mouse and as Marcia Parris showed them round the treasures and relics their appearance could only be described as angelic. The lord of the manor was receiving a massage which his jealous wife felt compelled to sabotage by placing a stinging nettle in his tasty lunch treat then shoving the masseuse into the pool arse over feet. Inside the gallery, a heist was about to take place, and as the painting some of the girls walked in to face, under the gaze of security man Eric, the painting disappeared and caused them all into hysterics. As LaFleur rushed in to find out what was causing such a rumpus, someone attacked him in the hallway, showing a bad moral compass, and escaped out a room with dust all over the floor as Leflay was left to mump and grump some more. Maddie Magellan was divulging all to a council, lore, when a police officer suddenly burst in through the door and claimed the session was unjust due to obsessive delusion, but it was he who was mad, that was the conclusion. Jonathan was carrying out a trick with the arsehole Klaus, who was to live underground with a coffin as a house, but it was all smoke and mirrors, i.e. total bullshit, as he hid in a caravan, many half-wits. Creek didn't want to help Lafle, who'd been somewhat rotten, with reviews of Klaus's show which Jonathan had not forgotten, so he refused to offer the solution to the theft and left the old bastard of explanations bereft. Maddie was angry, she was desperate for the reward of 50 grand, but Jonathan refused to show his hand and played her along without giving any elucidation which left her thinking about her bank balance with feelings of devastation. Soon, Adam was on the phone to our hero, JC, and in his voice were sounds that were not exactly glee. He demanded Jonathan tell Lafley's wife what happened to the portrait, or his big important show she would continue to frustrate. Jonathan went in search of Maddie. He thought she had a new boyfriend who he considered a baddie, but she was watching her old house being demolished which some youthful memories she hoped this would abolish. The pair of them headed off and revealed the solution to the crime. Lafley and his family thought it was quite about time, and the instant return of the painting they received with astonishment, not even stopping to thank the man they'd previously burnished with admonishment. One of the schoolgirls had hung back in the exhibit, and used a knife to remove the painting from the frame it inhibited, and slid it inside a cavity in the door. So that it was visible to everybody, no more. And so ends this tale of the vanishing art, that made Sylvester Lafley look a complete and utter twart. Solved by Maddie and Jonathan, our favourite crime-solving twosome. Who will be back next time to solve a murder most gruesome. Pottery Corner. thank you very much for listening to this episode of get your creek on i hope you've enjoyed at least some aspects of it you can contact the show by email at get at gmail.com or via the twitter handle at creek get if you know anyone who likes jonathan creek and knows what a podcast is then please do tell them about the show If you've got anyone in your life that you really don't like, and you know that they hate Jonathan Creek, then why not trick them into listening to it? The next episode is a double whammy two-parter, The Problem at Gallows Gate. That will be covered in the one single episode of the pod, so brace yourself for a big one, as the bishop said to the actress. Until then, look after yourself and we will meet again very soon. I'm Toby. Bye for now. Thanks for listening. To get your creek on,